Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. How are you doing today? Hopefully things are well. Um, how's your spiritual maturity? One to ten. One? Man, what are you talking about? <laughs> spiritual maturity. Ten? Man, I'm getting after it. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm up early. I'm alongside my wife and my children. We will be found as ones who are kingdom-minded. Friend, we need to know where we are. There is not time to casually meander about our spiritual journey. It's time to get on the straight way. Everybody knows the, the, the best path between two points, if your goal is to get there now, <laughs> is the straight way. Straight way. Right now, I am in my truck. I'm driving uh, just a couple miles from my house. Look, where we live here in southwestern Virginia, there is no straight way. <laughs> and what? It takes forever to get anywhere. Well, why is that? You have to meander through mountains and hills, valleys. If you're local, you call it a holler. You have to go around and around these serpentine roads. And it, it will take you an hour to go 25 miles sometimes. Why? It's not a straight way, friend. Look, we have got to, we have, got to have that same awareness in the things of the spiritual. Our goal is not just to hopefully get there one day, whatever there is in your mind. For many people, of course, if they were honest, it's just heaven. If I can just get to heaven. Friends, that's not the call of the Messiah to follow me. It's not. It's not the call he gave. He said, lay everything down. Walk this narrow, straight way. There's one way, and it is Yeshua himself. He's the way, y'all. And he walked a perfectly straight way in complete obedience. Okay, so today, a lot of times I'm finding, if I don't already have content ready to talk about or like something that maybe came out of my prayer time or something like that, or if we're, in the, of course, not in the middle of an ongoing series, um, I'm finding that I'm prone to speak in the podcast about what our whiteboard teaching was for the day, our verse of the day. Um, it's very interesting to me how things transpire and I know everyone's different, but like when I really give myself to study and to read and to, in faith, give myself towards the eternal written word of God, like there, there literally is no end to the possibilities of thought, of teaching, of correction, of encouraging words that come through the words of, of the, the Spirit of God through the pens of men. 
And, and, and I'll just be honest, it's hard to, all right, God, well, so today, what do I meditate on? Like, what is it you're saying? Now, amen for this problem, because the majority of my life is like, God, I don't hear you. I don't know. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark here and like maybe grab a, a, um, a text, a specific verse, a chapter, and like try to think on it, think towards it today. I'm going to be diligent. <laughs> and I'm not saying we don't have to stop. We don't have to start there. There, there is a there has to be an origination of how we function as spiritual men. Yes and amen. We have to begin somewhere. But but <laughs> we should move past the beginnings. We should move past the the have to mentality and get to a place where it is viewed as a privilege, as an honor, as a responsibility but as a privileged responsibility. And just give ourselves more to it in faith, believing that it is our spiritual food. It is our sustenance. I mean, Yeshua taught very clearly, like, look, I'm trying to give you something that's not not going to go into your natural stomach. (laughs) I'm trying to feed the real you. Spiritual food. And so this morning, and I'll just, this, this will likely be very brief, but I've been reading um, 1 John, 2 John, James. I've just been around that specific area for the last several days. And I feel like I've had a lot of conversations as of late with people about like what we just, I call, I would say we, we very topically and somewhat in our own juvenile thinking, we just label it like judging. Well, and here's, here's what I mean and like how that normally goes. Well, who am I to really say if Bill knows Jesus? You know, hey, well, who, who am I to say if that's right or wrong? Who am I to say whether or not I see Christ in that brother. Now, okay, I understand that, and that is right and good. We, we, I talked with a different brother several days ago about, obviously, the, the, the warning from Yeshua to, hey, you better remove the plank from your own eye, friend, before you go pointing out a speck in another's. Now, yes and amen. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. It, it cannot be explained away or, well, what that really means. That is absolutely, that has to be present in our life. Ongoing. And I say this all the time from that sermon I heard 10 years ago, the sign that a man, that any man has truly repented and turned away from his wicked ways is the, is the fact that he is still repenting and still turning. The evidence of a regenerated Christ man, to me, is a repentant man. Not a man who repented, who had some epiphany that he was an evil opposer of God. But like, you know what? He walks daily in the reality that that he is still 
housed in a body of flesh and capable, and can we still not say because we are still natural, although spiritual as well, yes, hopefully guided by the Spirit in maturity, living according to the Spirit in the Spirit of of the Messiah, fueling everything we do, everything we say, everything we give ourselves to, watch, listen to, eat. But we are still limited in this body of flesh. We are limited. And I would say this, and this gets kind of all up in people's doctrinal business, but like we are in the same limitations, if you will, as Yeshua himself was. He was limited. Why? He was one flesh man. Now, he wasn't, gu- he wasn't guided by the flesh. He wasn't lorded over by his flesh. He, in fact, lorded over it in absolute submission. He, he ruled over his natural man side, his, his son of man side. Not because he was superhuman as the God-man, but because he was the suffering servant who laid down his will and was therefore exalted properly by the Father. And listen, it's the same for you, and it's the same for me. The only limitations we have is we are now housed in this temporal body of flesh. It is, in a sense, a a limited version of the greater that is yet before us in New Jerusalem. The, the, The heavenly body reality. The glorified body. That is what's before us. No boundaries, no hindrances, no tears, no shame, no sin, no restraint. Right now, I would say these flesh bodies are restrainers. But that doesn't mean we have to yield to that. I'm just saying it's a constant issue. Paul was always talking about that. Man, I hate this flesh. It it is prone to do what I hate. And I find myself doing the things that I hate because of this rotten, stinking body of flesh. Who will free me from this body of death? Right? We are in bodies of death, yet still redeemed in Yeshua, seated with Him in heavenly places. Now, this is complex, I know, and, and we won't get into all that today. But what I do want to talk about is like there should be evidence. We had a great conversation with my son this morning who woke up. Let's just be honest. He woke up a little grouchy today. You know, he's got a little bit of his mama and his daddy in him. (laughs) And he woke up just kind of out of sorts. I could tell from the very beginning. I told him clearly. I said, son, I can just tell you right now, honey, I love you. I'm not putting this on you. But, like, you need to be careful for the next couple of hours, son, because, like, I can tell you're just, you're just, there's just something in your heart that's, like, it's just not right. I can tell that there's a little sass in your voice. There's a little rebellion in your heart. Son, don't, don't give yourself towards that. Hear Daddy's instruction. Listen to my calm, patient correction. A little bit on the front end now. (laughs) A little bit of a warning, son. You don't have to go this way. It's okay. I understand. I get it. I'm the same way. But listen, you can turn right now. Well, he didn't. And so this verse became very applicable very quickly. 
And where we were this morning was in 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. And, and this paraphrase, because I have to take these things in bite-sized chunks. But again, we're talking about like, well, how do you really know who is in God? Ourselves individually and others we meet, others we fellowship with, others we will meet in the future. Well, people just want to shrug their shoulders, throw up their hands and say, you know what? Who can really know? Only God knows the heart of a man, brother. Now, that's true, and I don't disagree with that, but may we not be so elementary in just our abandoning our appraisal of ourselves, our appraisal of any other man, especially those who profess to be alongside me as members of this body where Christ Jesus himself, Yeshua, is seated as great high priest and head over said body. We have a responsibility. Look, if you say you're attached to me, friend, then like, I'm watching you. You should watch me. You have the right If I say I'm in the body that you, in fact, share, we're talking about shared blood, shared oxygen, shared sustenance that is provided by the head, how we move, how we function, what we say, what we do, where we walk, what we watch, what we ingest. We are equally responsible to rightly demonstrate the function of the head. I'm telling you, most people in the church do not get this fact. We have made it all about individual-based, me and Jesus living, which eliminates the body's function entirely. Nobody puts responsibility on themselves to properly carry their part, their function, their position in the body to the rightful responsibility that, you know what, the entire body is dependent upon me. The health of the body is dependent upon me. If I am in the body of Yeshua, if I'm in his people, the people of God, in his offspring, the bloodline of the, of the firstborn of many brethren, the bloodline of last Adam, look, what I eat, what I say, what I watch, what is in the hidden recesses of my heart affects every other person who is within this body. Friends, I'm, I'm telling you, the church is ignorant towards this matter. I mean flat-out ignorant. We don't put that kind of rightful responsibility on one, other, we, on one another. Men from the pulpit just declare, hey, just do your best. There's no condemnation in Jesus. I have conversations with mature believers who say, you know what? What it all boils down to is we just got to do our best. Everybody's just got to do their best, Joel. There's no judgment here. Hey, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, we make so many excuses for ourselves to just operate in ignorance, in laziness. And I know for certain, like, I exist to say that with repetition, that is not okay. So how do we know then? How do you yourself, friend, How do you know you're in God? Well, I'm saved. Okay, well, that's good. And we could could spend two hours, like, taking that apart and dissecting that reality. And listen, if that scares you and offends you, then 
you may have a reason to ask the question. I'm just saying, when I encounter people who don't, who cannot tolerate questions towards their salvation, their faith, their belief, their doctrines, and that makes you want to shut down and run, then brother, let me say this. This is, this is just a harsh truth. Then there may be some holes in your belief. If it can't survive some questioning, then you might want to investigate it a little bit more and get a little more established and concrete in what you yourself believe and most importantly, more importantly, who you are, your identity in the Messiah or not. So how do we really know who is in God? How do we know? Well, again, we say, well, you can't know. No man can really know. Now, true, I cannot know what is in the heart of a man. Men can fake a relationship with the Lord? Yes, I did that myself, man. I convinced people in the church when I was a youth pastor, hey, everybody thought I was something. I knew how to impress people, and then I'd go home and be riddled with the lust of my flesh. Hours later, hours before, vile, vile, vomited out by Yahweh God, and rightly so. I could fool people, and I understand that is a that is a a possibility, yes. We don't know for sure what's in the heart of a man. I'm going to make that clear. But the Scripture tells us, and in, in, in 1 John 2.29, we have a little bit of an example of this, when this is what it says. You know that everyone who is righteous is born of the Father. It talks about him, himself being righteous, the attribute of Yahweh, his righteousness, perfection. This word righteous can be a little bit expanded. There's really not much to it as far as like this elaborate explanation, but upright, virtuous, and in our case, one who keeps the commands of Yahweh. So can we know who is in Yahweh? This verse right here says, well, yes, there should be evidence. There should be fruit. There should be something identifiable. And I'll go back real briefly to what I used this verse for with my son this morning that is not just applicable to an eight-year-old, it's also good for us. I said, listen, son, I, my wife had just fixed me eggs for breakfast. So I lifted up the plate. He was sitting in a chair, um, not doing too good, struggling with a heart of rebellion. And I said, listen, your, your obedience to daddy should look like something. There should be evidence. Well, where does that begin? And with that verse was right behind him on the wall. Upright. Valuing daddy's commands. You should esteem daddy's law. Why? Because it's for your good. Because daddy is over you, son. Because that is the way that is right and, and best laid out for you to follow so that you can be who I have brought you up to be. Why you were created. Why you exist. And so I, I, I felt the egg. I stuck my finger in it trying to be lighthearted and get him to turn the corner. I stuck my finger in the top of my scrambled eggs and I said, huh, I can feel these eggs. I feel the heat in the plate. I, I put them up to my nose. Oh, I, I lifted the plate up. I can smell these eggs. 
I can see them with my eyes. What? There's evidence of something identifiable on this plate. Now, this is mere elementary teaching, right? But let's just face it. This is what we need, y'all. This is what the church needs. This is where we operate, okay? Let's not run away and hide and pretend that that's not true and we're all PhD-level spiritual men. We're not. And so as a perfect example to him in his moment and to all of us in light of this verse, there should be evidence There should be something seen. There is a way to know who is in God. And if, in fact, we ourselves are in him, are we upright? Are we virtuous? Are we keeping the commands of God? Because if, in fact, we are, it is evidence, it is proof that we are the offspring of the eternal Father. There is a way to know. Listen, friend, you should know. And that's, that's, that's what's so hard, that requires much patience, that requires a lot of enduring alongside brothers and sisters in the body, is giving ourselves to arrive at a rightful assessment according to this scriptural instruction in other ways as well, according to the scriptures, about testing, discerning, and looking for the attributes of one who's born of God. And friend, I'm just going to be honest, like, That's how my life functions. I am looking hard at people who intersect my life for this exact proof and evidence. I want to be around. I want my wife to be around. I want my son to be around households that have evidence and proof that they are, in fact, born of Yahweh, his offspring. Friends, there is evidence. There has got to be proof. If your household is really, really sourced in Yahweh, it will look like something. It will be distinct. You will be alien. I'm just going to say this as black and white as I know how. If your house operates, looks like, and functions just like your neighbor's house who does not know God, friends, you may not yourself be in him. You may not be born of the Father. Do you realize that harsh reality? Well, we go to church. We read our Bible on Saturday night. Listen, I'm not talking about criteria like that. This verse does not say the man who is born of God is demonstrated by the one who reads his Bible or attends a holy convocation. That in no way lends scripturally now to prove that you are in fact an offspring of Yahweh God. It is not enough. Well, we uh, we talk about Jesus. Nope. Uh-uh. Okay, let's see. What else do I have? Oh, Christian t-shirts. Nope. Oh, man. Okay, instead of regular basketball, my son plays upward basketball. Nope. Next. Okay. Uh, okay, when I turn my radio in my car... I go right, okay, I don't go right there, but most of the time, I go to Christian radio, especially when my children are with me. Nope. Next, what else you got? Oh, I teach Sunday school class. Nope. Doesn't say that. Upright. Honorable. Keeping the commands of Yahweh. Y'all, we've got to really, we have got to get out the microscope 
sit down and slide underneath the light. Okay, in a microscope, you're above the light, but listen, this isn't science class. <laughs> this isn't lab. <laughs> Seriously, friends, we've got to take a hard look at what we're doing. This age that I live in, man, it's 2020. The church age that I know, anything goes to brand you in God. Hey, look at her. Wow. She's sure godly. Man, I hear that from so many people. Well, you know, they're really this, they're really that. But boy, they love God. Okay, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm not. Again, let's walk this line in maturity that we're not just walking around wielding a weapon of judging. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this verse says, you will know that everyone who is upright virtuous and keeps the commands of God, which is righteous, is the offspring of the Father. So if you want to know if you're in the Father, you better see if you're keeping His commands. Are you walking in His ways? And if you're not, you're out. I'm just telling you so simple. It makes it clear. Those who love me keep my commands, right? I'm not going to sit here and quote all the Bible verses I know. Number one, it won't take too long. And number two, that's not the point. If you love me, keep my commands. You want to love the Father? You want to love the Son? Keep their commands. And they are one and the same, by the way. You do know that. Keep the Lord's commands. Well, what are they exactly? We're ignorant. We cannot keep commands that we do not know. Can you, okay, you're driving down the highway, and then I'm going to make this, I'm just going to wrap this up. You're driving down, have you ever been going through a town? There are many cities I've been in throughout my life where the speed limit constantly changes. I've especially seen that like down in the coastal areas. And you're like, man, what is the speed limit? Well, If you go a certain section, sometimes if you're actually trying to abide by the law and the speed limits, which I admittedly don't always do, but if I were, you're waiting for a speed limit sign. Why? To tell you how you need to adjust your speed. And until then, look, you're just flying by the seat of of your pants and I hope I'm going the right speed. I don't even know. Friends, the church is doing that, spiritually speaking. We are saying, oh, sure, I'm in God, which has been deduced down, reduced down to just say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm in the Christian religion. I'm in the Christian church. I'm in the Christian faith. It has no weight, no substance, no real meaning. It's very generic. And, of course, it's defined by being absolutely clueless to the commands of God. Friends, again, I will say this, and then we'll be done. You cannot keep commands that you do not know. You are very likely cruising along a road. You have no idea what the speed limit is. You're just hoping you're going the right speed, spiritually speaking. Friends, it's risky. It's risky. It's dangerous. You're outside of the provision and safety and guard of the Father. He cannot keep those who do not keep His commands. I think Okay, 
I feel something within that phrase right there. We cannot expect the perfect father to keep his children preserved and safe if they're not dwelling within his parameters, his laws, his statutes, his guidelines. We are out on our own, cruising the road, saying, you know what? I just don't really care what the speed is. I have got this. I'm good. I saw it was 45 miles an hour 10 years ago, and so, hey, I'm just cruising 45. I'm good. Well, friends, you might want to pull over, check, check and see what the commands are. Check and see what the laws are so that you are properly submitted to the laws of God. You are properly in your place in the confines and parameters of his safety and provision for you because people will know that we are born in this actual seed, the offspring of Yahweh God himself, if we are upright and keep the commands of God, which deems us righteous, which we can only accomplish through the power of the Son. Friends, you can't do this in your own efforts. You can't do it. This is not a works mentality now. You cannot attain this in yourself. You must be empowered by the Holy Spirit through the regenerative work of Yeshua Messiah, period. You won't do it. No man will ever get to this reality through his own endeavors and efforts, period. That is why you've got to go back to what I'm saying almost every recording. You must repent. You must turn from your wicked ways. You must hit the floor with your face and say, oh God, forgive me, receive me, transform my life. I must keep your commands. And I will only keep your commands through the gift of your faith, your strength, your abilities in and through me to accomplish your will, period. It's the pattern of the Son. It's the pattern of the slain lamb. It's the pattern of the great mediator, high priest, sympathizer, Yeshua Messiah. Friends, it's time for us to live like this. This casual Christianity makes me want to vomit. I'm sick of seeing it. I'm sick of it. I'm going to call it what it is for the rest of my days, period. It's not enough. It's not that it's not enough. It's not what we have been commanded to do and to be. It's plastic fruit on a plastic rubber tree. It's not even, it's not even a good imitation. It's fake. It has no life in it. It is lifeless. It's time for the church to be known and marked by what? Ones who keep the commands of the Father. His offspring in him, through him, and returned unto him for his glory on the earth in our age. Amen.